MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, March 2nd, 2020. Today, the South Carolina primary and Super Tuesday. An update on the coronavirus, a peace deal with the Taliban. Trump loses two major immigration cases. Trump nominates Ratcliffe for the DNI job again. Trump cuts funding for rural schools and a big block of good news. I'm your host, AG. And with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. How are you? How was your weekend? Good. Well. Gouda. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was relaxing. I actually... Every time, it's so funny, every time I'm like, I did nothing Friday. I tried to do nothing on Friday. I did actually do a bunch of stuff on Friday, like run all the errands that I don't normally get done in, you know, during the week. But mm-hmm. to me, that still feels like nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, weekends, it's interesting because for us, Sundays are our Mondays. Yeah. So Saturdays become our Sundays. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is usually everyone's party day. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's time, it's like the time that you take for, you know, gathering yourself. Yeah, but I write all day Saturday, so yeah. not for me. No weekends. Team no weekend. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have a lot of news. Um, this is actually a pretty jam-packed show, so we should get to it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So it appears that Operation Chaos or whatever, which is the push to get Republicans out to vote for Bernie Sanders, didn't have the impact the Trump campaign thought it might, which I think is important to note going forward in the upcoming races Mm -hmm. in states that have open primaries. Um, Biden took South Carolina handily this weekend with 48.4 percent of the vote. Uh, Sanders in a distant second with 19.9. Steyer uh, came in third with 11.3. Buttigieg with 8.2. Warren with 7.1 and Klobuchar with Mm 3.1 and then Gabbard with 1.3. All delegates were awarded to Biden and Sanders, uh, who got 33 and 11, respectively, uh, which closed the gap uh, in the total delegate count, putting Bernie ahead. He is in first place with 57 delegates. Joe Biden is in second place with 53 and Buttigieg in third with fewer than half of the delegates that Biden has at 26. And everyone else is in single digits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how just in one state it jumped to a place where I think most people were predicting it would kind of be the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking back at 2016. Yeah, South Carolina is a big state. Yes. And 40% of Dem voters, Democratic voters in South Carolina are white. And Biden got 33% of those. And Sanders got 23%. Steyer with 1056 um, and let's see here, uh, 56% of the electorate is black and Biden earned 61% of those votes with mm-hmm. Bernie getting 17. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's important here to note that older voters make up the largest part of the electorate. So here's how the age brackets break down. Voters 17 to 29 went for Sanders, 43 to Biden's 26. Voters aged 30 to 44 went to Biden, 33 to 29 for Sanders. And voters 45 to 64, which makes up 42% of the voters in South Carolina, went for Biden 51% to Mm. Bernie's 16. And finally, those over 65, which is 29% of the voters, went to Biden 61% to Bernie's 11. That means 71% of voters are over 45. So it stands Mm. to reason Biden did so well in South Carolina. Totally. Also, he did you watch his victory speech? I did. 
it was the best I've seen him this whole race. I, I think. Agree. Yeah, I and agree. and I, I think he's he, buoyed. He was articulate. Mm. Wait, what word did you he's say? Buoyed. Buoyed. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great word. Sanders gave an incredible speech too. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He did. And people, I think both of them had great showings that night. I think Sanders, obviously, he didn't do as well as I'm sure he would have liked to. But he, like, the gap closed. You know, as the numbers came in a little bit. But I think both of them handled themselves incredibly well and biden did have like a decent amount of jabs kind of at bernie and the whole revolution talk but uh that's fine this is a competition that's Mm -hmm. totally fine (laughs) but it was super uplifting watching his speech because i had a moment where i was like you know you all know who what candidate i want but if we end up with biden in the white house with the amount of coalitions of support that he has across the country you can't deny those people, you know, that are that are doing amazing things. The fact that everybody was so energized in that room and Biden was. <laughs> Did you all hear podcat <laughs> in the middle of Jordan's emotional ramble? The cat was like, yes, I agree. Biden for president. Oh, God. But no, I mean, I just I just my was like moderate it is Bruce Willis. One of my biggest fears, sorry, I keep trying to shift it away from the podcast just because I want to get this out of my yeah, brain ahead. before my stoner head forgets it. But <laughs> Go for it. But part of my fear sometimes when I think about Biden being the nominee is I think he's not going to mobilize as many people to get out the vote and then down ballot D as much as someone like Bernie might that has a really strong grassroots thing. But when I watched that, my brain was like, okay, I see a lot of passion here, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was good to see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's arguments opposing that too um yeah it's just you never know until <laughs> it happens that always the you case. know that's true mm-hmm. um because I, I think one of the major points that people who don't want bernie to be the nominee make are that he can't win the down ballot mm-hmm. um yes i have heard that too and so it's just mm-hmm. it's an interesting you know sort of back and forth one, again one of those things we're just not going to know mm-hmm. until it happens because totally. the polling in south carolina had biden at 27 and bernie at 23 yep so the the wow. the large disparity there i you know i just i I guess what it came from was they just to suck at polling in south carolina (laughs) clyburn's endorsement made it may have come may have may have come after (laughs) after most of the polling i may have come um they (laughs) we're all that's the yeah so every time um that was supposed to be a birth joke every time neil degrasse tyson says you're made of star stuff (laughs) say and come actually yeah (laughs) i may have come um I might have. I forgot what the fuck I was going to say. Obviously. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember if his endorsement came before or after that poll. After, I think. It came after. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it I think it did come after. Yeah, but and that actually, was a huge endorsement and very mobilizing, I imagine. It was. And I saw um, a poll somewhere on CNN or something, I think, where people, I think something like, 23% of voters in South Carolina said the Clyburn endorsement was very important to them. There you go. Yeah. So it, was a, it was a pretty big one. Yeah. 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 I, I actually expected Bernie to do a little better in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did too. I um, think that they maybe pulled younger people who didn't show up. And I, this is the thing that makes me so angry. Show up. Well, and it might not just be that, right? Because maybe younger people are easier to reach in the, in the polling stuff. And mm-hmm. so they had a larger... Yeah. yeah, sampling of younger people. Sampling of younger yeah. people. I'd, I'd be interested to see those polls. Yeah. yeah, I was expecting him to get pummeled. I don't know. Just the history of civil rights in South Carolina and as it relates to Biden and the work that he's done legislatively compared to Bernie, even though Bernie is 100% a grassroots you know, activist, was, was there during the civil rights movement on the ground doing a lot of 
things, you know, but I think... Um, yeah, he just didn't have eight years in a public spotlight right. to showcase all that. Right, and Biden, yeah, being a right-hand man to Obama, who's obviously incredible. Yep, and uh, although Steyer came in third, beating mm-hmm. Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Warren, and Tulsi, mm-hmm. he dropped out. Yeah. Well, I that, mean, realistically, he sees no path to the nomination. I guess so, but why spend all the money and then be like, I just wanted to see if I could do it, <laughs> and then leave? Um, That's kind of how I felt. love him for it. I, I love him for like, it. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, I, I, I feel like he did it to put climate change front and center at all the debates, which yeah. is fair enough. But I saw a tweet, which which was fascinating to me. It was like, I wish that he had put all that money into Senate races and mm-hmm. or... Well, he can now. He can mm-hmm. now. Or like buy some newspapers in like red states <laughs> and hire teams of journalists to only write about fossil fuel. Well, now he's not nearly as rich as Bloomberg. No. And that's what Bloomberg should be doing. Yeah. yeah. I know we talked about this before, but Steyer's done a lot for environmental justice, mm-hmm. which always disproportionately affects people of color. And so and he always is on. He specifically talks about he that. He does. Mm-hmm. And I think he has a very... Uh, as a white person listening to another white person talk about issues of racial injustice, I feel like he's very effective. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have to support a lot more of black voters in South Carolina, even though he's pretty much new on the scene, right? Yeah. Assuming you bring up the fact that you're white and he's white to say that you don't have the lived experiences of people who are yes. negatively and disproportionately impacted by environmental yes. uh, uh, bad policies. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, he did also spend, was it $22 million? He he spent a lot of money compared. I think Biden was the next uh, second most spent in that state. So I think he was betting a lot in South Carolina too. Oh yeah, but then yeah, but then he dropped. Yeah, and then Trump said, "Oh, Bloomberg sucks" or whatever. He wasn't even on the ballot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now Tulsi hasn't dropped out. I think she should. And then I started wondering, well, what about? There's got to be meetings taking place uh, at least that night. Uh, there has to be phone calls between the Biden camp and Warren Buttigieg and Klobuchar yep. to talk about when they're going to drop out. And uh, I think it was Jeff Zeleny who this was reported, but no one talked about it. Um, he, he said that he had talked to somebody inside the Biden camp who said they are er, they don't want Warren or Klobuchar to drop out before Super Tuesday. They're urging Warren and Klobuchar to stay in the race. Through Super Tuesday, through Super Tuesday, because they're worried that Bernie could run away with Massachusetts and Minnesota, but if Warren and Klobuchar are in the race, Massachusetts is Warren home, Warren's home state, mm-hmm. Minnesota is Klobuchar's ho- uh, home state, mm-hmm. then they could probably siphon votes away from Sanders in the, in those home mm-hmm. states. Uh, now I report that as news only, without nuance and comment, because frankly I think it leaves a bad taste that Biden would see them only as Bernie spoilers and not viable candidates in their mm-hmm. own right. Yeah, especially them being women. Um, and so that bump that like mm-hmm. rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, something else we learn as we go into Super Tuesday: Bloomberg has said he will not drop out for Super Tuesday. I mean, Ugh. that makes sense because he spent all of his money on Super I guess Tuesday. So. But interestingly, he's not made any ad buys after Super Tuesday. Hmm. Um, Bernie has said he will not take Bloomberg money hmm. if Bernie becomes the nominee or ever. <laughs> um, currently, Bloomberg is running a six million dollar a day campaign. What the what is his angle? I can't figure it out. At first, it seemed like, you know, he said Biden doesn't seem viable or whatever. But now after South Carolina, and I think if you have really any common sense, Biden was going to start doing well at some point in time. So uh, why? Why? Why is he? What? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe he, maybe to attack the to gloom. attack Bernie and to attack Trump. I think is is it's got to be what it is. His strategy mm-hmm. has to be to get Biden the nomination. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, or at least not Bernie or Trump. You know, I, I, I don't know. I can't think of any other reason that would be. I, I mean, mean, isn't he just going to siphon votes away from Biden on Super Tuesday? Right. That's what I would think with moderates. I don't know. And he's also making a lot of efforts to connect to black voters, too, right now. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a direct but I think targeting knew, I think of Biden. I always knew he was going to suck at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That and maybe like him his... being like this totally like, hey, maybe, I can imagine him saying, hey, I'm the stop and frisk guy. What if I enter the race, make everybody vote oh, for Biden? God. You know what I mean? Interesting. I, and I'm just, this is all hmm. speculation. Yeah, right. Because then that becomes, well, then even though he has a fuck ton of money, you know, he must be getting some kind of kickback from that. He wouldn't just do that out of the kindness of his stone cold heart. Yeah, he might. He I'm might. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not I don't kindness. feel that strongly about him. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, not kindness, maybe just whatever it takes to get Trump out of mm. office. And he maybe honestly believes that Bernie can't do it. Mm. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, so interesting. It's you know? all so fucking interesting. I mean, how else would a, like a, an older billionaire think? Yeah, mm. he an older billionaire, and and this isn't just. And I shouldn't just generalize like this. It, it, there are people who who think that, uh, you know, because of what uh, Bernie has said in the past about, you know, Russia or Fidel Castro or whatever, and that he's a democratic socialist, and that has the word socialist in it, that he he would be worse to run against Trump than another candidate. Mm-hmm. And there are people who have uh, valid opinions about that. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who have valid opinions to say that that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if I had to guess which camp Bloomberg was in, mm-hmm. I would say it would be that camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And I'm not trying to generalize saying that people who are as old as Bloomberg or as rich as Bloomberg would think that way. I'm just betting that, yeah. if, if, that if he had a feeling about it. And he said... You know, he's mm-hmm. he, he's called Bernie a communist on stage, which mm-hmm. is a Republican talking point. Yeah, yeah. he has hats I mean, that he say was not a socialist. Literally yeah. a Republican until when? 2013? Yeah. Yeah. Him. But not I, the direction I feel the party wants to go. And the party probably agrees. And that mm-hmm. might actually make the party vote for who he wants to really win, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, all speculation. Hmm. Beans. So we are on the precipice of Super Tuesday, where over a third of all delegates will be awarded. Uh, Biden is hoping his win in South Carolina will, will propel him into better outcomes on Super Tuesday than he's been polling. I think it will. Um, and social media is awash with calls for Biden to announce a VP, mostly calling for it to be Kamala Harris mm-hmm. or Stacey Abrams ahead of Super Tuesday mm-hmm. to bolster his chances. Oh, wow. No presidential challenger has ever announced their VP choice ahead of the convention and gone on to win. And I did a little research on this for you, so you don't have to. In 1952, Republican candidate Taft announced his VP ahead of the convention, and he lost to Eisenhower. Reagan tried it in 1976 and lost to Jimmy Carter. Jerry Brown tried it uh, with uh, to pick Jesse Jackson as his VP in 1992 and lost the nomination to Bill Clinton. And, of course, Ted Cruz picked Carly Fiorina in 2016, and we know what happened to him. So, uh, I... I don't know. I don't. the The history of picking an early VP uh, is not good, but I don't know. What do you think if he picked a, a if he picked a, a strong VP candidate that could energize the younger people that whose vote he's not getting right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard the Kamala hypothesis more so than any other. I think, Same. yeah, and so. I fucking love Kamala. Same. And I think that would be a really strong ticket for voters. At the same time, though, 
the beef between Kamala and Biden that happened leading up to the point that she dropped out is kind of like if you look back on that shit, it's 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 almost it, it would the almost seem, I was yes, that little girl. Yes, exactly. Mm. It would almost seem I don't want to say disingenuous on you know her part. The situation itself would seem a bit disingenuous unless unless your idea is a unity ticket. Mm-hmm. Right, which is to be like we can overcome our differences to defeat Trump. Yes. So can you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that would be a pretty powerful message considering the beef that they had in the, in the earlier debate. Totally, debates. I agree. Yeah, so I mean it could be. It could go either, you know, it could go either way. Uh some people are suggesting uh, a Biden Warren ticket, which I don't know. I would mm. think it would probably be a Sanders Warren ticket. Uh I've taken specific note that I don't think Warren went after Sanders when she should have. And I think she didn't because she she could be a VP. But she is now. Him. She's doing that now. I mean, I could imagine. I could see her if she's peeling votes off of anyone. Mm-hmm. That would be it. Would be Bernie. Mm-hmm. And it's a competition, you know. Like it is. she should she should be drawing distinctions between them. I like Elizabeth Warren very very much. As I've said on Twitter and as I've said on the show multiple times, mm-hmm. she's my very close second, and she would be an amazing president. And I think she's fucking rad. Yeah. And um and actually. Something I wanted to point out was she actually, in terms of certain specific policies, I like hers better than Sanders on certain things, but um, particularly when it comes to LGBTQ issues. Um, but now, that who means, do you think Sanders could pick as a running mate? Yeah, I don't think I thought Liz for a moment, but because she's starting to draw those harsher distinctions between them, I don't think so anymore. I'm not sure because some people are saying Tulsi, and if that happens, I'll be mad. I think, I, I I think people are either. just. I think people are just saying that. Just I don't to be think, abusive. yeah, I don't think that I've never heard a single person say that positively or heard someone react to it positively, which makes me feel it's just created to either that or chaos. It, it was positively and widely floated in 2016. Yeah, that I would he, hope it would And be he someone. said he was considering it. No, I don't think he said he was considering mm-hmm. it. But a lot of people really, really wanted Tulsi yeah. to yeah. not only endorse him, but to be his VP. Who do you think other than Warren? Yeah, I think Warren is the is the only pick. You think so? Honestly, yeah. Uh, you could also do Stacey Abrams, but I don't know that she would run with him, but I, I haven't heard her say she would or wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I also think, you know, in fairness to Liz, y- if you just got $29 million in the month of February, you would stay in the race, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, yeah. whether or not you saw mm-hmm. a path forward, you she have that many people behind up. you, you she know, cleaned up in February. So I could make sense. I could see him picking someone like a younger congressman or woman. Yeah, I was just going to go into that. Like there's mm-hmm. a million mm-hmm. like young senators, yeah. AOC, um, any of the squad. I think she's any, too young to be VP. Yeah, I think she might be. Yeah, that that would be a huge upset. And uh, or, or or just someone along those lines. Yeah, right? yeah. you know, yeah. I'm thinking mm-hmm. freshman uh, Congress person. Uh huh. There's I don't that's really progressive. There's a ton of them. Yeah, and I don't know if they are thinking about this at all, but picking a more moderate candidate for VP, considering VP mm-hmm. doesn't really yep. do so much. What about Rokana? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if he would do that because his base would also give him a lot of shit, though, for picking someone well, that may not be for Medicare for All or something. That's you why know? I'm thinking Rokana because mm-hmm. Rokana has appeared a lot on Bernie's behalf, mm-hmm. one of his top endorsers, um, and that might be a real thing. I think he's mm-hmm. old enough. I've seen Tammy Baldwin floated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because she's from Wisconsin, so it has that Midwest vote. Mm. Mm, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious. Um, I... I, I'm I'm very excited for Super Tuesday. Me I want to see what shakes out. I want to see where everybody is standing. Now, yeah. who could Warren pick as a VP? Who could Warren pick as a VP? I don't know. 
I feel like it would be amazing. Bernie? To have a, yeah, it would be amazing to have a Sanders Warren ticket, quite frankly. Yeah, that would be fucking I love them both. insane. Mom and dad. Uh, I've always, like, early on, my dream mm-hmm. ticket was Warren Harris. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. I hate Two women. This. I wonder... I don't um, think... I, I, and this is not like a, I don't want to see two women. I just, I feel like there's too much sexism in this country for a two women ticket to win. I just do. And that's, I don't mean to be a naysayer. I just, I feel like that's the case. Yeah, I think that's, um, unfortunately, I mean, we ha- we have to consider that, especially as women, you know, just thinking. I mean, Trump? No, yeah, not in, terms of, not in terms of who we support. I just mean existentially, just mm-hmm. looking at the realities of how voters in America feel about women, as was demonstrated in 2016. Yeah. Um, so you're not saying it's because two women can't do it. It's because you're afraid that there's so much misogyny. That other people suck that other so bad. people will say that, that two women can't yeah, do two, it. Yeah, two. Of course. Of course. Please. I'm just clarifying for the masses who are going, who are about to email the shit out of (laughs) you. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, of course, would I vote for two women? Fuck yes, I would. Absolutely, I would. Mm -hmm. I would love to see that. But my point is, I think there's so much misogyny and sexism that they wouldn't win. Um, I think Warren has would be more likely to pick someone that's more of a moderate as a VP than than Sanders would. Amy or Buttigieg. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm -hmm. I think a Warren Buttigieg ticket would be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. But most likely it's either going to be Sanders or Biden. I think. I think. Yeah, I think right now. Uh, but here and, you know, all the other thing, too, though, I've, I saw Sarah Kenzie tweet out like if everyone who wanted to vote for Warren voted for Warren, she she could do she could take it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think a lot of people are trying to strategize now. There's tweets out there saying people held back their mail in ballots in California to see how South Carolina went to see mm-hmm. if they were going to vote for Joe or Elizabeth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, or Joe they want to or go for the Buttigieg Bible candidate. Or jo- right. They want to. They want to throw their hope, their vote behind the person who they think is going to win and mm-hmm. not who they particularly love. And and uh, Sarah was saying, look, vote for who you love. This is the primary. Mm-hmm. Vote for who you love. Vote for who you support. You won't feel sorry about it. You mm-hmm. won't. You'll feel better about I it. I love that advice. And 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 then everybody just backed the the whoever wins. Yes. Like you know. And, yes. and I, I really appreciate that because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are now second guessing maybe their Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Warren vote. To mm-hmm. vote for Biden because mm-hmm. he's more viable. Mm-hmm. But if that's not your number one, don't do it. Although Biden did, uh, he has come around. He's not just about shoring up the ACA anymore. He is now talking about a Medicare option for all. Mm-hmm. So we have to thank progressive candidates yep. like Warren and Bernie yeah. for pushing somebody like Joe Biden mm-hmm. to be for um, for a Medicare for all option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I ask one more quick question before yeah. we move on? Um, what do you all think about the differences between dropping out before Super Tuesday or dropping out after? If you were a candidate in this race as it stands now, one of the, you know, not polling as high candidates or not doing as well, I should say, what would you do? Like, what do you think is the, on one hand, I think you would want to wait until the other primaries so you can see really, you know, get a better look of what the entire country feels. On the other hand, talking about viability of candidacies and, who they're going to who the votes ultimately are going to wind up going to if those per- people dropped out versus stayed in, you know, doing it from a more like strategy standpoint. Um, what do you think? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I can see why Steyer dropped out, yeah. even mm-hmm. though he invested so much in Super Tuesday. But I mm-hmm. can also see why others won't want to drop out having invested in Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, again, also there are backroom deals and strategies like Biden getting Klobuchar to stay in to keep Minnesota from mm-hmm. going to Bernie. And then, you know, all these 
like it's not just about who mm-hmm. wants who and vote for your person. We don't have one national primary. Mm-hmm. You know, everything has to do with what states have gone before and yep. what states are coming up and mm-hmm. what their makeup is. How many are young voters are there? How many black voters are there? How many and uh, who should I what should I do and how mm-hmm. should I play it? It's not just like it's not just like mm-hmm. playing blackjack. You're playing bridge. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, there's totally. just so much strategy in it and behind it that I th- I think I would have to f- I would have to look at sixty different factors to decide if I was going to drop out. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I if I were Tulsi, I would drop out. She has no path to the nomination. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking but of her in my brain. <laughs> let's be candidly though about P. Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. I was just going to say yeah. Buttigieg and Klobuchar. I don't see they have a path in in upcoming states, and mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to take much on on Super Tuesday. But they might be in the race to spoil it for somebody else. Yeah. I don't know, and I don't have those like Moneyball mathematicians uh, mm-hmm. around me right now telling me why who is staying in the race to do what and how mm-hmm. it could benefit any other factors or number of candidates or why it's good for Biden or why it's good for Bernie or why it's good for Warren. And, and so it's just so hard for me to know, you I know, like, without without getting all of the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I I feel like my, this is just me speaking candidly. I'm not saying I don't like these candidates. I feel like Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar should drop out. I see no viable path to the nomination for them. However, Warren is coming in second or third in a number of very delegate rich states. So she particularly could, California. She yeah. shot up to mm-hmm. second place in the polls. Mm-hmm. God yep. damn. And mm-hmm. like you said, she yeah. raised. N- Twenty nine million dollars in mm-hmm. February. She yeah. had she had less than a million dollars in the bank. Yep, mm-hmm. going yeah. into February, and yeah. she's raised twenty nine million. The so two, I think she she has. Mm-hmm. I if I were her, I'd stay in for Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. If I were booted judge and Klobuchar, I'd drop out and throw my money behind mm-hmm. somebody else and endorse another candidate. Um, yeah, uh, but I also don't want to downplay what what those two candidates could pull off mm-hmm. on Super Tuesday. Yep. I feel like it's just. Super Tuesday is just so huge that huge, I feel yeah. like you just have to wait and see how you do. Yeah. yeah. Just to drop this in, just it's uh, 1 o'clock on Sunday. This is the current polling. But just so our listeners know, in case you haven't been taking a look at any Super Tuesday polling, um, the two biggest, most delegate rich states, California and Texas, uh, Bernie is at 34% in California. Warren is at 17%. Everyone else is under 15%. And if you don't crack 15% in California, you don't get any delegates. Yeah. And then in um then in Texas it's uh Bernie at twenty nine, Biden at twenty, and Bloomberg in third. God damn. Right. So interesting yeah. how different every state is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's but it's so crazy. But she could really she could really take some delegates in yeah. California and she's pulling in second or third in a number of states. So mm-hmm. it's but but so you never know what's gonna happen there. Totally. Yeah. So if you if you treat it like a ranked choice situation, if she comes in second in a ton of states, mm-hmm. she could end up with as many or close to as many delegates as the winner. It just depends mm-hmm. on the it depends on the delegate count. Depends on mm-hmm. the state of the state. And, and it also depends on how the state hands out its delegates. Exactly. Texas is all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get all two twenty three or you get none. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I I believe I'm correct on that. Yeah, yeah, Five, yeah. Right. Uh yeah, I'll double check. Um five thirty eight though basically is saying that from their perspective, they're not sure whether or not it'll be Bernie or Biden who at mm-hmm. the end of Super Tuesday has the most delegates. Mm-hmm. They see Bernie with a slight edge from some polling, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's anyone's game who has the most delegates after by when Wednesday rolls around. So well, we big, will soon big know. fucking week, you guys. <laughs> we <laughs> will soon find out. Uh, all right. And um, before we uh, head to the break here, um, actually, let's go ahead and take our break right now. Kay. No, because after that we have 
No, let's take our break right now. We'll do that right now. <laughs> We're going to come back with a peace deal with the Taliban, Trump losing two major immigration cases, and a, a brief uh, a summary of what happened with the McGahn ruling, uh, which you can get more details in last night's Mueller She Wrote episode. We uh, talked to Glenn Kirshner, 30-year veteran of the D.C. Attorney's U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, he has a lot to say about that. So check out the Mueller She Wrote episode that came out last night for uh, a heavier story on the McGahn decision. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Third Love. There's nothing worse than having an ill-fitting bra digging into you all day with an itchy tag. Uh, it's like a torture device. Uh, that is never happening to me again because I was lucky enough to experience the amazing comfort of Third Love. Third Love has created the most comfortable bra I've ever worn. It's all I have now. All my bras are Third Love. They're tailored to perfectly fit my individual body's shape and breast size. Uh, many women, including myself, fall between cup sizes so I could never find the right fit. Made it really hard. Uh, but Third Love has over eight. 80 bra sizes. They're an industry leader and they also have signature half cup sizes so you can find the perfect fit just for you. Uh, just check out their Fit Finder quiz online. It just takes a couple minutes. I was able to find the exact bra for me. They use your info plus data from millions of women who've already taken the quiz, factoring in cup size and breast shape to find the perfect bra for you. Every third love bra is made with lightweight, super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape, uh, no slip straps and smooth scratch free bands. Uh, and they're all designed for ultimate comfort. With Third Love's perfect fit promise, I love this so much. You have 60 days to wash it, wear it, try it, and if it's not the perfect fit for you, their returns and exchanges are free and easy, and Third Love donates all their gently used bras to people in need, and so far they've donated over $15 million in bras supporting charities across the U.S. So Third Love knows there's a perfect fit for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dailybeans for 15% off today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Jordan, what do you have for us today? So the U.S. signed a peace deal with the Taliban on Saturday, promising to remove all U.S. troops from Afghanistan within 14 months, presumably marking the end to a war that's been going on for 18 years. Uh, the U.S. has said that they'll remove our troops only if the Taliban promise to not use Afghan land to attack the U.S. or its allies. What's important to remember, though, is that the Taliban doesn't control all land not controlled by the government. There are breakoffs of the Taliban and other extremist groups that still control some land. I saw a map that marks, you know, all of the territories and who has claim to it and everything. And it's quite a mess. And there's a lot of contested areas still, too. So there's the, the issue with that is or the potential issue that people are bringing up is when the troops leave. There are fears increasing that they'll take the absence of U.S. troops as an opportunity to grow those sort of fringe Just like groups. the vacuum that created ISIS. Right. So that's definitely what a lot of Republicans are saying in response to this. They're not super happy about it. John Bolton, actually, he's coming back. <laughs> good, good old Bolton. I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. John. Well, he said it pr the deal brings an unacceptable risk to America's civilian population legitimizing Taliban sends the wrong signal to ISIS and al-Qaeda terrorists and to America's enemies generally. Bolton and, wrote in a tweet. And add that our director of national intelligence is a Chad. Right. Soon to be Ratcliffe. Mm. Right. Right. And right now it's it's Grinnell. They're both mm -hmm. morons. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, and I think one of the problems Democrats are having with this deal is that Taliban is not denouncing al-Qaeda. Yeah. And there there doesn't there's a bunch of concerns with this, right? It's like there's a lot of nuance to it. But uh, the other is that they have folks are saying that 
they have a history of essentially over promising and under delivering or, you know, saying that they'll do something, getting the benefits of that deal and then not delivering on what they said they were going to. So this is interesting because, you know, you would it's one of those moments where typically I think it's a more liberal ideology to get out of wars, get out of wars we've been in for a long time. But then on both sides, there are people who think it's really concerning how it's happening and they're not confident that it's actually going to work. I personally don't know enough about the intricacies of being over in Afghanistan and, you know, what we've done exactly to say, I think, how I feel about this. I'm torn, I guess. On one hand, I agree that I think we need to get out of endless wars in general, I also acknowledge that when you engage in endless wars, you set up situations that then become very dangerous to exit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's a victory for Trump either necessarily because he's getting so much pushback. And I wonder if you're getting Too so many much, variables, right? Yeah. And if you're getting so much pushback, then what do you really gain from this? Which is, I think, what we all should be looking at mostly. Yeah. And, and Ted Lieu was even like, mm-hmm. look. This deal's stupid because mm-hmm. it doesn't. They don't denounce Al Qaeda and et cetera. However, I uh, he said I commend Donald Trump for wanting to end this war. Yeah. So uh, and of course Pence is like, well, we put together a deal. We'll monitor it closely and we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's that. Just, I think oh, part sorry. of it. Sorry, go ahead, Jordan. No, 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 go ahead. I think part of it too could be a PR thing to show that he's the anti-war candidate in comparison to someone like a Biden who voted for the Iraq War. Mm-hmm. Just for real. putting it out there. Yeah. I almost forgot about Ukraine Gate there for a second. <laughs> now, now that Biden's back and been like looking strong, yeah, everyone's like, like, "All right, looking uh, back and investigating Biden in three, yeah, two, one." Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. You know, I mean, I'm just putting that out there. Uh huh. So yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, but we'll definitely be monitoring that to see if the terms of the deal are maintained and fulfilled, and we'll see. So uh, finally, a federal appeals court ruled against Trump in two really big immigration cases, a federal appeals court on Friday uh, ruled against the program that forces migrants that are seeking asylum to wait in Mexico. And they also voted against a rule that uh, it severely limits the number of migrants who are eligible for asylum. So that's good news. However, then the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals paused its ruling after DOJ lawyers said that it would imperil communities at the border um, as an there's 25,000 asylum seekers who were encouraged to stay in Mexico that would effectively, you know, be allowed to cross the border. So they're saying this is going to be dangerous for the communities and that's why it shouldn't happen. And that was granted until um, the, the, it works its way through the courts. So kind of a win, but then kind of a step back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 60,000 migrants have been placed under Remain in Mexico, by the way, uh, since it began more than a year ago at Tijuana, the border in Tijuana and San Diego. And to me, it's just with that policy specifically, it's 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 confusing to me that that's allowed to exist, because I think about when I think about migration, let's say you're like going to an island. Like if, if, if our nation, if we're a sovereign nation state, you can essentially imagine us as like an island. If someone comes to that island to, to move there, what are you going to make them like? wait in the ocean no like they're at the place you know they're at the place they're trying to go that is where they stay while they're going through that process Mm -hmm. and a lot of these migrants they're they're not just from mexico right they're coming up from 
like various countries. All three Mexicos. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a joke from Yes, it is Trump. a joke. Sorry. That's why we laughed at that. Um, <laughs> so, there was something Trump said one time. <laughs> yes. We continually shamelessly mock him for it. Yes, we do. Uh, but yeah, logically, I guess the idea of making folks remain in a country a lot of them are not from and all of them are not trying to be in anymore just doesn't make sense empirically got it thank you for that reporting yeah jordan yes thank you yes Mm -hmm. and uh there was a decision handed down i'll cover this briefly because we went over it in depth in in the Mueller she read episode and i would i would steer you to that episode for for more information on this but uh if you will remember last summer the house judiciary subpoenaed don mcgahn white house counsel to president trump who was there when trump tried to fire Mueller, uh so that they could interview him in the impeachment inquiry uh in but this is under um the obstruction of justice charges they were looking into from the Mueller investigation this is before the ukraine impeachment stuff even started so they they uh subpoenaed him and of course the trump uh um camp was like take it to court you know take it to court we're not we have blanket immunity and and so they did right they took the they said all right we'll go to court it is now what a year (laughs) nine eight months later Mm -hmm. and the appeals court had made a decision two to one to dismiss the case saying that the that the uh, the courts have no jurisdiction to, to decide these interbranch information disputes, which is contrary to everything that we've ever heard in our lives. Uh, although, interestingly, and we talked to uh, Glenn Kirshner about this in, in the Mueller Shewitt episode, uh, two of the judges, two of the three judges uh, said that there's no such thing as blanket immunity. So at least there's that. Um, but they but, you know, so if they had to hear it on the merits, mm-hmm. they would have been like, yeah, of course you have to follow the subpoena. There's no such thing as blanket immunity, but they won't even hear it. They say it's not even our jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So likely what will happen now is that they will file um, to the, the House Judiciary will file to have the case heard uh, en banc, which means in front of all 11 uh, judges at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. That will likely go the way of the House. Um, there are only four, I think, Republican uh, appointed judges on that court. Uh, and then, of course, it will be appealed to the Supreme Court. Um, so that is what's going on in the McGann case. Did you have another Mm-mm. bit that you wanted to go over? No. Mm-mm. Thank you for that update. Yep. And again, we, we go way in depth uh, on that with all the ins and outs and what what uh, Congress should do and could do next and, and might do. And uh, so it's it's an interesting story. But I was absolutely like gobsmacked by the ruling uh, i thought it was ridiculous mm-hmm. personally uh the judges by the way uh one was a bush one was a gw bush and one was a clinton appointee and as glenn Kirshner points out in the interview in the other show we never used to talk about who appointed judges until trump showed up yeah mm. so yeah. that's the only reason i'm pointing it out in, in this in this particular case yeah because so many decisions are just like mind-numbingly awful 100 for our country yes exactly <laughs> Uh, and uh, coronavirus update. Um, Trump said in his rally this weekend that coronavirus is a Democratic hoax. D- uh, Trump Jr. Uh, said that uh, the Democrats want millions to die from coronavirus. Uh, and then Trump had a press conference. This is not the one where he named Pence the czar, mm-hmm. but this is the one where he said, everyone be calm, don't panic. He uh, he did acknowledge the first U.S. death in Washington state, but got the gender wrong of the person who died. Um, on CNN this morning, Pence refused to denounce Trump Jr.'s assertion that Democrats want the coronavirus to kill millions. And he even called what Trump Jr. said understandable. Oh my God. 
Um, from Dan Vergano at BuzzFeed, New York is now making its own coronavirus tests after the CDC's tests have repeatedly failed. Uh, the article opens saying Hong Kong is testing over a thousand people a day while the U.S. at the time of this article on Friday has tested a total of 445 people, mm-hmm. partially because the CDC's tests don't work. So this is from BuzzFeed. Federal health officials met with state and city and public health labs on Wednesday to fix a crippling lack lack of options to diagnose the the novel coronavirus, a shortfall driven by botched CDC testing kits. As a result, New York State and New York City are moving forward with developing their own tests to to detect the virus. Can we not coordinate with China? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? The World World Health Organization would probably do that. Mm Mm-hmm. The lack of adequate testing capabilities, says BuzzFeed, was spotlighted on Wednesday evening when the CDC announced delayed results from the first potential case of a person contracting COVID-19 from community spread. That was our case here in California, meaning they got sick without traveling to China or being exposed to someone known to have the infection. According to ProPublica, the CDC sent tests to over 100 cities, each with enough to run a few hundred tests, but most proved unreliable and left only about a dozen labs with verifiable results. Apparently, the unreliable tests played a role in the diagnosis of the first woman to contract the virus without having any contact with known carriers. Uh, Again, that was the one in California. Mm -hmm. UC Davis said her results were delayed because neither the county nor state lab could run them, and her symptoms did not meet the federal diagnostic criteria. Mm. So the test took four days to approve. Think about that for a second. The state and county labs couldn't test. And this is the thing that scares me. Her symptoms didn't meet the federal Mm -hmm. diagnostic criteria, but she had it. That means the federal diagnostic criteria have been wrong Mm -hmm. and the early stages of the outbreak. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Chris Braden from the CDC spoke Thursday at Solano County News Conference saying the diagnostic criteria, federal diagnostic criteria, had changed between February 19th and the 23rd. That's awfully late in the game. He said, what can I say? Uh, There were multiple people involved in this decision over those four days. Uh, It wasn't necessarily CDC. Yeah. I wonder how expensive the tests are. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I no, want to I'm get this out because you. because um, when he said it wasn't the CDC and there were multiple people involved that were putting out the diagnostic criteria, mm-hmm. the federal diagnostic criteria, that says to me the Trump administration was trying to game the diagnostic criteria to fraudulently suppress the number of cases. Mm. Those are beans, but I mean, come on. And and then what do you know, right after the press conference, Trump decided that members of the CDC were no longer allowed to make public statements and all communications must go through Pence's offices. So that timing is very suspect. Mm-hmm. Jesus. To come out and say, well, the symptoms she had weren't rising to the level that the mm-hmm. Trump has decided meets the coronavirus level or, you know, Trump's administration mm-hmm. has decided. Mm-hmm. So... That's why we got that we got our first diagnosed case here in California from community spread late. Mm-hmm. Something that is really worrying to me about living in a country that doesn't have um, universal health care is the lack of preventative measures taken by um, the government because that would cost them money. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, that's, that's where my brain was going when I was asking how mm-hmm. much the tests are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other countries are just like handing them out in the street to people. And it's also like, can you not... Like South Korea. They're just literally handing them out on street corners yeah. to citizens, the testing kits. Mm. Yeah, I have no idea how much that stuff costs or how much that would like burden the system. But um, I do wonder if you can't even do something that's like, come back if you're still sick in five days. Or, or times where they know there's a milestone, like they say the respiratory stuff happens like at the fifth day or something like that. Can you not 
try to lessen the funnel of people that would get the test, but test as many people as possible? You'd think so. And as the CDC tries to fix their tests, officials in New York, like I said, they've decided not to wait on the Trump administration. They're developing their own tests. Yeah. Uh, All right. We do have some good news. Promise. And we'll be right back with it. There's lots of it. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Upstart. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score, and they offer smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond their traditional credit score when assessing your worthiness. They actually reward you based on your history, your education, and your jobs, uh, and they do that in the form of a smarter rate. Uh, I know I could have used Upstart when I was trying to get out of debt um, because Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. They make it super easy to check your rate. And since it's a soft pull, it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens after you accept your lower rate. That's the best part. And another best part is once the loan's approved and accepted, you get your funds usually the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards and meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why they're ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, good news for democracy as Wisconsin, um, a court of appeals there, has rejected a voter purge of 209,000 people. Sweet. A three-judge panel unanimously rejected a lawsuit filed by a bunch of conservative assholes who argued the purge should go forward ahead of the 2020 election for not confirming their addresses. Voters needed to confirm Mm -hmm. their addresses with the state election commission. Not surprisingly, more than half of the voters lived in districts that Clinton won in 2016, and a plurality of them are voters of color. Trump won the state with fewer than 23,000 votes, and this is 209,000 voters. Mm. The case will likely be appealed to the state Supreme Court, but hopefully not in time to impact 2020. There is, however, an April 7th election to replace a judge with a Trump-friendly judge that could cast a tie-breaking vote. So everybody in Wisconsin, vote in that April 7th election for the judge that you know that's, the, that's there now. And from the Associated Press, the Service Employees International Union, known as the SEIU, is unveiling a plan to invest $150 million in a nationwide campaign to defeat Trump with with their efforts focused on eight battleground states. This is the largest voter engagement and turnout operation in the history of the union, which has about two million members. The effort will run through November and reflects the urgency of a make or break moment for the working people in America under Trump. The states of focus are Colorado, Florida, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin, with a super focus on Detroit and Milwaukee. The outreach will be a few ads, but mostly direct contact and online advertising targeting minority men and women who typically don't vote. The SEIU is the most diverse union in the United States, and they represent healthcare, food service workers, janitorial service people, and state and local government workers. Half of its members are people of color, and more than half make fewer than $15 an hour. The people that make the country run, yep. basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, the backbone of the country. Mm-hmm. And according to the Washington Post, for the first time, there are fewer registered Republicans than independents in the United States. Independents account now for 29.9%, Republicans 28.9%. There are still way more registered Democrats at 39.66%. It's important to note that not all the new independents are Republicans. Many are Democrats that left after Obama in the 2016 Mm -hmm. election with the Mm. disillusionment from the DNC. Mm. 
And also from Washington Post, a federal judge in Idaho has voided nearly one million acres of oil and gas leases in federal lands in the western United States, saying that a Trump policy that limited public input was arbitrary and capricious. This is a huge win for environmentalists who fought the leasing policy as part of a much broader effort to block um, the... Uh, it, they had basically this was problems for uh, the habitats for the greater sage grouse. So the contested area is 67 million acres across Dude. 11 states. Drew Caputo, the attorney for the group Earth Justice, said in an email that the administration officials almost treat the public like an inconvenience that might slow down or get in the way of them passing out special interest favors to their friends in the industry. Yep. That is anti-democratic and it shows what they really think about the public. It's also illegal, which is one of the reasons they keep losing in court. Uh, Trump's Bureau of Land Management issued a memo in January of 2018 speeding up leasing by streamlining environmental reviews and reducing the amount of time that the public could comment publicly and protest arrangements to drill. And nearly a year ago, Trump lifted Obama-era protections on 9 million of those acres of federal land aimed at conserving the sage-grouse habitat, arguing it would give the states greater say in setting terms for energy development. Wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah, nice, yeah, really, nice really. but also... Fuck the Trump administration. Yeah. <laughs> what a time to be pillaging the earth at this mm-hmm. particular moment in time. Mm. And time for a little Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Okay, so Harvey Weinstein is apparently going stir crazy in the hospital. From Reuters, Weinstein is setting, sitting under guard in a cinder block room, staring at the walls, and at times, quote, can go stir crazy just staring at the emptiness. He was admitted late Monday to Bellevue after being found guilty on two of five counts. According to a spokesperson, she spent an hour and a half with him in the hospital Friday reflecting on the case and his future. And she said, quote, it's scaring him. I think he's melancholy. He's very, very low right now. Of course, he's only thinking about himself and not the dark places and melancholy that survivors of his rapes and assaults have had to sit through (laughs) and have been through. She says he just doesn't like being left alone. Oh, my God. Well, tough shit, asshole. Wait until you get a load of prison. Yeah. Wow. I, he had a heart attack, right? Or he was admitted for chest pain. He said he had chest pains. Yeah. Uh, he's had a, apparently a prison advisor come in and try to help him prepare for prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's not even cut out for the hospital. <laughs> so uh, at, at, whether he had heart pains or not, and was just trying to not mm-hmm. go to prison right then and, and maybe get a little more prep time, I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, I I would hate to accuse someone who actually was having chest pains um, that they you know to say that they weren't. Yeah, but there's a lot of malingering when it comes to these uh-huh. these folks. We yes. had Manafort's gout. We have Weinstein in his mm-hmm. walker. Now he's got heart pains. Mm-hmm. We had somebody else had something else. Um, they got good lawyers. Manafort was having more things than just his gout, and uh, of course Epstein had a problem with breathing and stopped. Yeah. So we you know we just it's just. I, I, I hate to say, I'd hate to accuse them if, yeah. if they're actually sick. At the same time, though, I would feel like an idiot if I didn't look at that pattern of behavior and say, oh, these are criminals trying to cheat the system, at least in part. Mm-hmm. I also know, yeah, that's not it's to going diminish. going to jail for doing that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Yes, that's not to diminish, obviously, people who are experiencing health issues, especially mm-hmm. the same ones that these folks are experiencing there's i mean there's also the possibility that they're so emotionally just torn down right now you know your psyche can only hold up a wall for so long at some point that shit might just turn on your body and they might actually just be getting sick from the psychological elements of it all very true yeah especially but, if you're so privileged and you're just not used to this mm-hmm. you know? and it's like devastating to you but i do also really feel like a lot of it is contrived yeah 
It's just a little too convenient. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, all right. That is, we do have a couple of personal good news stories. We do. I think yeah. We have time for a couple, and then we can do the rest um, cool. on tomorrow's yeah. beans. Just got a couple quick ones here from from our patrons. This is from Dana Fortier. Excuse me if I didn't pronounce your name properly. She says, I'm a campaign manager for two races. One of my candidates just got $4,000 in donations today from four women in California. Turns out these women found the Act Blue Fund called Flip Michigan Blue. Mm. But instead of maxing out on donating to the fund, they went and looked at each individual's website, analyzed their issues and platform, and then decided to max out to select candidates um, directly to Mm -hmm. them. We are so grateful for that $4,000 windfall. That's our digital advertising budget through the primary in August. It means so much to me and to my candidate that this came through right now. That's so cool. She didn't say who it was, but that is so, so cool. awesome. So it really matters to donate to candidates mm-hmm. uh, individually. Um, from Paula Miller, I just got promoted to my first big girl job a couple weeks ago after quitting the traditional workforce 23 years ago to raise my family. I have also started knocking on doors the past couple of weeks for Elizabeth Warren in Illinois. It's very good therapy. Thank you for all the information and the inspiration to get out there. Congratulations. So cool. I know. Yes. I love that. Um, this is from Amber Davidson. The first African-American woman appointed um, was appointed deputy commissioner in California to our California Highway Patrol um, in the entire 91 history of the organization. Wow. 91 so, years. Yep. So, we've had a highway patrol for 91 years? Yeah. Jeez. I guess we've had cars that long. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. But, you know, considering the amount of racism we see when yep. it comes to police officers traffic enforcement um, I think this is this is a great move from Definitely. Thomas Agreed. Wyman I went and saw the first stop of Stephanie Miller's sexy liberal tour in Ooh. Seattle last night <laughs> she's the best I think Hal Sparks and Frangelo were there uh-huh. hell yeah he says it was hilarious and informative most of all it was a great space for resistors to meet and vent and show positivity towards each other Hell yep. yes. Yeah. Big ups. I just, we just had uh, lunch. Your wife and I had lunch with Travis Bone, the executive producer, uh-huh. Steph Miller. We talked all about their sex and liberal tour, yeah. tour that she's on right now and how awesome everybody who's on that tour is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More good news stories tomorrow. Hell yeah. Excellent. We yeah. have so many. Um, thank you. Seattle was one of my favorite towns to, to do our live show in. By yeah, far. God, it was so great. It, it really was. Love Seattle. Yes. Seattleites. Can I do a quick hashtag? Of course. Hashtag. Okay, so hashtag Selma55, hashtag Selma, hashtag Bloody Sunday. These are all trending on Twitter today because today is the 55th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. And this marks, there were multiple marches that happened, many, many marches of nonviolent black black protesters and allies. And this was in the effort to attain civil rights and voting rights that they were egregiously denied for all of time, essentially. It's a massive, massive, um, you know, commemoration that's happening right now in Selma. Presidential candidates are coming down and we won't go into what happened to Bloomberg, but you can look that up if you want to. He did not have a great day there. Uh, There's members of John Lewis is there, obviously, just really, really, really prominent, amazing, inspirational black figures and figures in the community who have worked for establishing civil rights for black people in this country. Um, so yeah, get on, you know, Twitter, um, watch what's happening there today. I think it's, it's incredibly uplifting Mm -hmm. and really necessary for us to continue to remind ourselves and educate ourselves of the the plight of people of color in this country, black people specifically. Mm -hmm. And it's Black History Month. Yeah, totally. Or just ended. (laughs) Just ended. It was. It was. It was. (laughs) It's March 1st, isn't it? I always forget February doesn't have. We had that extra day. day. Yes. Actually, I had an extra day in February. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not that you need a month, obviously, to educate yourself. 
Totes. But there we go. Mm-hmm. History is so fucking important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so otherwise you are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, definitely. Which we are doing a lot of. Ending yes. on a light note. <laughs> Wait, one more good news story. <laughs> All right, yeah, do it. <laughs> okay, I got one more here. Um, okay, this is from someone in the UK, Dan Basnett. He says, my partner Tish just did a half marathon she's been training really hard for. She raised money for a charity in the UK called Well Child that aims to help sick kids get home and be with their families. I took my two daughters to see their mom and admire everyone who ran to help others. Maybe not the most earth shattering good news, but it really made my soul sore. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> Was that a pun? No. Oh, okay. like S-O-A-R. Like oh no, no, soul, no like soul. fly. <laughs> I was thinking soul, no. soul. I just run a half marathon. Running. Yeah, Boy, is my soul sore? Yes. <laughs> that kind of a thing. Yes. No, like exactly. like like flying. Like so are. Yes, definitely. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah same same word. English is a weird, ugly language. It is. It's <laughs> a weird, ugly language, isn't it? It's funny. I mean, I'm bilingual. I, I speak have... French too, so I find English is so fucking ugly in comparison. Yeah. Well, the Romantic languages tend to be prettier than the Germanic languages. Yes. Yes. I do wonder what our language like yeah I, I also know a little bit of French I completely agree with you it, but to us uh, to me Shakers Shakers <laughs> I took French two years no big deal Shakers <laughs> uh, it's Shakers Jordan I've, I've heard from friends who have English as a second language when they're trying to learn English they're like wait so this sounds the exact same but means something totally different and you can't tell whether or not it's the same word unless you're reading it mm. cool makes a lot of sense thanks guys yeah homophone in yep, yep, yep. your face wait what are oh what are homonyms <laughs> homonyms are spelled the same way but have homophones t- hom- well that's that's a homophone yeah what's a homonym oh let's see sorry i, I, I thought like it was words, like, read and read i don't know if homonym is yes i think so okay. i think it's ones yeah nim wouldn't that mean that they're they're spelled the same we're gonna get corrections on this Can't well wait. i guess yeah <laughs> homonym Homonyms, two or more words having the same spelling or pronunciation, but different meanings. Yes. So maybe I'm wrong with homophone. No, no, no. I think you're exactly right. It sounds the same, mm-hmm. but it has different meanings. Sore and sore. Ah, yes. And these yeah. are two words, same spelling or pronunciation, but different meanings and origins. No, that's what this is. Let's see. Homophone. Two or more words having the same pronunciation, but different meanings. <laughs> so a, a homonym and a homophone are the same thing. But it's different from a homonym, which is a, a Latin word for other. Well, it, that's, but that's where it derives from. Yeah. Hey, Anyways, English Martha is Barnett, <laughs> you record Way With Words right here in San Diego. <laughs> this is a, one for you. Happy Monday, everybody. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is our show. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Everybody, please, you know the drill. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. Been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>